Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, and I am joined by Mike Lombardi. Yes. Hello, Tate Frazier. How are you? And introduce our distinguished guest here, my yes, man. Yes, our repeat guest. First time ever we've had a recurring guest on this uh, podcast. He's going to be a staple on the Saturday sit-downs, right? I mean, he mediates the meeting. He's a little bit like Johnny Sack would come in and mediate <laughs> the meetings and uh-huh. sit there and say, you know, when they insulted Johnny Sack's wife for having a, you know, like, so they had to like have a mediator in that. He yeah. can come in and do it. Like, I want to be like Lombardi's hype man. You could be like a yeah. ruler. You You're like a the flavor flavor of Mike Lombardi's I career. just follow him around. Yes. Uh, you're Chuck What's Hayden? two Hofstra guys attached to the head? How about the Hofstra big win in basketball? Aren't you excited? Huge win. I texted Tate. Didn't even text me back. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Tate Frazier's on the yeah. millennial program. He only texts you back when he needs something. Exactly. He ignores no, everything else. No, 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 it's a one no. Way. no, they name streets after Tate Frazier. One way. That's <laughs> oh, it. man. He's going this in early. Tough. This He's is going tough, in early tough start to Saturday. Sit down. Uh, it's week 14. We have a bunch of games coming up. I'm excited. I will text you back about Hofstra later. I actually yeah. forgot that that happened. I'm you sorry. Like, that's that's, like, that's the classic line. That's the classic line. I, I forgot what it happened. I didn't see it. I missed it. Meanwhile, have you ever <laughs> yeah. seen their phone not a completely attached to his arm? Like, it's right there. It was the biggest story in college basketball of for course. 10 minutes. I still you have 6,000 emails to get to. All right. yeah, oh, yeah. That's another. Okay. It's terrible. Uh, all right. We have five games. That's the whole point of Saturday sit down. We pick five games. Lombardi picks five games that are great for us. Wait a minute. We got to talk about last night. Our Thursday night, don't we? Yeah, let's get into that. Right, let's talk about ahead. Saints-Falcons last night. 20-17, to 17, it pretty much came down to the end of the game. Sean Payton and Dan Quinn in a coaching battle to see who could make the worst decision. And somehow the Falcons came out with a win. Can we just talk about the third down, fourth down, late right. in the game situation? I, to me, this is this is the perfect example of, do you know, did they teach you false duality at Hofstra? I'm not, I'm not I don't okay. even know what that is. All right, so false <laughs> duality is you think when you make a decision, it's either A or B, right? When reality is, if you really analyze the decision, it's A, B, C, D, E, or F. And the really smart people like Warren Buffett figure out what C, D, E, and F are. So Dan Quinn's faced with a third and one. And Sean Payton calls a pass. Mm -hmm. And all his players hold the fist up and it's incomplete. They think it's fourth down. Well, he was thinking false duality. They're going to kick. I stop them, they kick. When the reality was when he called a pass, that told him that he was going to go for it on fourth down, that he should have kept his – and then he declined. aggressive. Right, because then he declined the penalty. It would have been third and 11. It would have been third and 11. Mm-hmm. Ah. And so everybody's thinking, well, we declined the penalty, would have pushed him back. Once they went for it on third down, he failed to understand. He's playing one move at a time as opposed to thinking three moves. I think he made a horrible mistake. But they overcame it with the interception in the end zone. Yeah, but the thing about that, too, is if you take that penalty, you still push him further back, so it's a tougher field goal opportunity. Right, so right. I, I understand why they weren't even playing field position at yeah, that, that point. Yeah, you could argue that as well. But you were busy writing your show the other night. <laughs> So you didn't have a great opportunity to see just it. Just hanging but with DJ yeah. Khaled. Just hang with us. We'll be, we'll get you through it. It's okay. I like that you get upset at bad coaching. Like I get upset with a bad meal. Like I want to send it back. <laughs> like I, I. That's how upset. I'm Lombardi a fat guy. Gets. I've never sent a meal back. No, uh, but you, I, I'm a fat I know guy. you're in a bad mood on Friday mornings when there's bad coaching like that. Mm-hmm. It's just he didn't sleep well. It's disturbing upset. because I think what you see is unfortunately you see that coaching is so vital. Like, do you realize? that Matt Ryan would have to throw 21 touchdown passes in the next three games to to match his total from last year. Is Cleveland on the schedule? Or no? no, Cleveland's not on the <laughs> okay, schedule. Well. So my point being is, it's like, look, I said at the beginning of the season, Steve Sarkeesian is not near the coach that Kyle Shanahan was, and you can't replace it. Coaching is so much a part of the game. The players play it, but the coaching makes a huge difference, and the gap in coaching is really becoming greater and greater. Can we just talk about the guy that made the pick to win the game, Deion Jones, a linebacker? His nickname's Debo. I knew you liked that. Yeah. Is there a better nickname in football than Debo? No. It's good. It's pretty good. Every, it's pretty good. Everyone needs a Debo. 
Everyone needs yeah. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Friday, even though technically it's Saturday for all the listeners out there. All right, let's get to these games. First game, we have the Oakland Raiders going to the Kansas City Chiefs. This could be the Chiefs could lose back-to-back home games. And if you had told someone that five weeks ago, they'd have laughed in your face. But it looks like the Raiders could make a run here. I'm going to go all in here, Joel, on the mm. Chiefs here. I, I don't think they could lose two at home. I think the Raiders are going to have a hard time handling They don't have Armani Cooper. I know mm. they don't have Peters. I don't like the Chiefs defense whatsoever. But I think the snap count, I think that Justin Houston can rush a little bit. Tom Bahali is back this Tom, week. Yeah, you just. I think this is a moment where the Chiefs are going to really dominate the game. I don't think the Raiders are very good your thoughts first of all i love that this is like an elimination game pretty much because for these two teams they see the chargers coming it's an elimination game and i like that the raiders are going to come in and they they know the chiefs are scared they know the chiefs this is it for them they're basically imploding and i think the raiders are going to intimidate them and and win this we should say the chargers are playing uh the washington redskins so they will be that'll be another one there'll be a bunch of redskin fans out here as well it could be a tough game for them. I think it's going to be a really hard game. I know we don't talk about it, but I think it's going to be a really hard game. I know, Look, I think if the Redskins lose and Chris Thompson hurts them, mm-hmm. but they still can throw the football, and the, and the Chargers, unless Bosa and Ingram get there, I think you could throw it on them. And the best case scenario for Washington right now is try to wreck other seasons, That's other right. playoff potential. That's so right. They could do that for the Chargers this week. Next up, we have the Seahawks going down to Jacksonville. The Seahawks obviously had the huge win against the Eagles. People got on the Russell Wilson as the MVP bandwagon. Now they're going to go down to Jacksonville and face the real MVP, Blake Bortles. Well, that's right, because Joel's <laughs> been pushing him as the MVP of the league. This is one of the reasons he's on the podcast to give us balance because he's such a Blake Bortles fan. He has to balance me off, you know? So <laughs> I think it's important we do that. Look, this is a game. Jack- Seattle's really good in the month of December and everybody seems to peg that Jacksonville is going to win this game. I think Seattle's offensive line has got to prove that they can stand up to the front. And if they can play from in front, Jacksonville's a different kind of team. Jacksonville's going to have trouble moving the football on Seattle. This is both teams that favor the turnover. I think it'll be a really close game. Jacksonville could sneak out a win, but I would suspect that Seattle would rise above the challenge and win the game. I like Seattle. I think Seattle has a kind of mentality that they relish these moments when they're underdogs in games. I love watching Russell Wilson play. And it's kind of like watching Tate Frazier as a young boy in the backyard when you throw the ball. And Joel ca- was always at my house that, when I was a kid. The Seattle offense is is Tate growing up, throwing the ball and catching it yourself. Like that. that's Russell Wilson at, at this point. That's their offense. And uh, this game might be too much for an undermanned Seattle to overcome. The Jaguars and the MVP, Blake Bortles, keep that's rolling. That's your guy. You, yeah. you, I'm going to get you a Blake Bortles autographed jersey for Christmas. Is, I'm not going to tell you. I don't know why I I'm going to get him that. to dress up as Santa Claus and come to your house or something. I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, he's got to keep the seat warm for Eli. Someone has to keep the seat warm for him. <laughs> that's right. Uh, next up, we have the 49ers going to Houston. Jimmy Garoppolo on the that's road. That's my man. I'm going with Jimmy. I'm all in on Jimmy. I'm, I'm going all in. Jimmy's great. First road game. First road. It won't matter. He's already played. Here's the thing. So Jimmy's going to go into his little notebook, right? Mm -hmm. He took all this stuff with him, and he's going to open it up. And he's got everything that they did when they played Houston in week three of the season up in New England. And And he knows Bill O'Brien. He knows Bill Mm O'Brien. He knows the defense. He knows what they ran there. He understands it. So now he's playing Houston for the second time. I think he's going to have a great game. I like when they talk about quarterback matchups and defensive matchups. To me, 49ers and Texans, this is a kicker matchup. <laughs> like, who has the better kicker? Being that I don't even know the Texans kicker, to me, this is a Robbie Gold game again. 49ers roll. There you go. 
Robbie Gold, good for yeah. you. Next up, we have the Eagles. They're coming to L.A., and they're taking on the Rams. Oh, and they're coming. This will be a big game oh, and they're to coming. See, see what the Eagles are up to. And obviously, everyone's talking about all the Philly fans. You know, the guy, that the, the guy I always say is organizing the parade back in Philadelphia is this WIP uh, radio morning host called An- – his name is Angelo Cataldi. He's organizing the parade. He's, that is a beautiful Philadelphia name. Angelo Cataldi. He's got it all. <laughs> he's, he flew out here on a plane. He's out here in Los Angeles, came out to see the game, and he tweeted out this morning that had 220 seats on the plane 218 of them were all all eagle fans yeah. coming out here to the game i mean it's going to be a zoo out there that's a guy that sounds like he only carries cash, yeah. Big yeah. cash. Yeah. like oh you need the tickets mm. yeah, i'll make the call how many 20 he's got them all always ask if you have whiz can you put some cheese whiz <laughs> yeah. on that this is a great game these are two teams i think are really similar and i think both teams defensive line is going to win the game i just think philadelphia's defensive front will create some problems for the rams and i think carson Wentz will have a bounce back game i like the eagles here I think they're the better team. I think they're close, though. I think it's really a close game. It's going to be fascinating to see the Coliseum with all those Eagle people there and how the Rams handle it. The Rams practiced the silent count this week. They're going to need it. The game is really going to come down to can the Rams handle a good defensive front? They didn't do it in Minnesota. They didn't do it early in the year in Washington. They didn't do it against Seattle. This is the best defensive front they're going to play against. I want to see how they handle it. It's got to be awkward for Sean McVay to walk in the room to his offense and say, all right, guys, we need to practice a silent count. They're like, no, we're, yeah. we're at home this week. Right. And he's like, exactly. We need to learn this But thing. Sean McVay has an advantage here. He's played the Eagles twice last year from his experience with the Redskins, plus the Redskins played him. So he understands how to attack their defense. I think this is going to be a, a fairly high-scoring game. I think both teams will move the ball. It's just going to come down to what front creates a turnover. See, this is when I should listen to you, but I want to, <laughs> I want to believe in the Rams so much. And I love their offense, and I love what they're doing. It's like, what's it going to take for people to believe in the Rams? And I think this is finally maybe their statement game, because it is. It's the two potential NFC championship teams, and I, I, I want to go Rams, despite no. all the education you teach me. I don't think you can go wrong. I, I think this is going to be one of those games that's going to be really close, and they could potentially play again in January. I, I know, think- and if I'm the Rams, I'd rather take the loss here. And save it for the playoffs. Yeah. Get revenge. Yeah. And go back and play a real away game instead yeah. of having to play a home away game. Exactly. Yeah. Go to Philadelphia and make it happen. Uh, <laughs> all right. Final game. The biggest game of the week. We get no to doubt. see the rejuvenated Giants <laughs> under the Eli Manning, the new Eli Manning. He's back and the Cowboys are coming to town and they look like they have a real team now with Alfred Morris actually running the football. What do you expect to see in this game, Lombardi? Well, this is the first game after Ben McAdoo. I, my friend, the writer over here, I want him to create post McAdoo. Like, post McAdoo, like mm-hmm. there should be like initials, like you know when the Roman Empire ended, it was you know A D B C, you know all that. I think there should be like a post McAdoo form. I'm working on it. I, I don't <laughs> think a quarterback has ever had such a triumphant return after a one week <laughs> benching. They should have given him a ticker tape parade down in, in New York when he, MacArthur came back. It's like they're playing the Patriots again this week. Who yeah, was more it, happy, Geno Smith or Eli Manning? I would probably. say say Gino. Yeah. Because, I mean, why would you want to go Just into this spot? Just give me a break. Yeah. Look, Dallas has Sean Lee back this week, which is huge for the Clapper, right? So this he sets their defense. This is Steve Spagnuolo's return to being a head coach. Not that they played great on defense, but they had to get McAdoo out of there. I like Dallas. I, I think I think Dal- I think Dak Prescott. They've had ten days off. The Giants have had a lot of confusion when the substitute teacher comes in. It's always a little bit chaotic. But I don't know. I think Dallas is the better team, playing better. What is the game plan though for the Giants? Like, do they let Eli throw forty times? If is they it- do, they lose. 
That's a good point. If they do, they lose. As much as it's great to have Eli back there, he's still Eli. He's still going to underthrow the deep balls. You know, the receivers are still limited. They can't really run the football. After the first quarter and he gets the introduction and things settle down, that's when the Clappers got to take over the game. But I want them to carry Eli off the field. Like Rudy. It could be a great moment. pick the Cowboys. It could be a great moment. You're picking the Cowboys, aren't you? No, I I want the Giants. I want to pick the Giants. Yeah. Do it. Cousin Sal on his predictions. Pick the Browns. Went out on the limb. He has literally picked the Browns at least five times this season, and every single time, it's either you're going to be a genius, or everyone's going to be like, "Why did you pick the Browns?" You know, and so he, far it hasn't hit. And he said that. And I have a friend in London who's a bit of a gambler and likes to gamble, and and a very smart person. Sends Prince me, Harry? No, it's not Prince Harry. Sends me information constantly all the time. And and one of the most remarkable things outside of that Hugh Jackson's one in twenty seven, <laughs> outside of that, and got an endorsement from the owner at the John Dorsey press conference today. Outside of that, he said that the Browns are seven and twenty one against the spread in the last 28 games. How is that possible? I, how is it possible that it's seven? But I can't believe that. I can't believe Cousin Sal went for it. He always goes for it. I told him he's going to die on that hill, but one day when it hits, he's going to be a hero. And you couldn't stop him. It, Any thoughts? What, what about your Steelers this week? The Steelers, I can't believe they have to play in primetime again. Another, <laughs> as, as Ben would say, you know, big division, AFC North, just smash mouth football. It's basically just a brawl at this point. It's not even a football game. I just want them to leave healthy, but uh, yeah, I mean, now because of Mike Tomlin, everyone's looking forward to next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all on Joe Flacco, right? It really is. Kind it of. is on DB Flacco. Yeah, against the Steelers' defense. He won't show up. Quickly on the Browns, I got rid of Sashi Brown, one of your favorites. Yes. So goodbye, Sashi. We appreciate all your time there. And they got a new GM already put in place. I mean, the Browns are just moving quickly. Right. No time to think yeah. or plan. Yeah, right. They got yeah. a new GM who now has to take on a coach that he doesn't know or has never mm-hmm. worked with before, mm-hmm. which is usually the formula for great success. I like John Dorsey. I think John Dorsey's a really good personnel man. I'm sure they'll pick really good players. Building a team is going to still come down to the coach, and we'll see what the Browns do. They they apparently, the owner says, Deep Podesto, the, the analytical man, still works exclusively just for the owner. Mm-hmm. You talk about really like, this doesn't ever work. It's amazing that Jimmy Haslam, he came out and said he had nothing to do with the Tennessee debacle with the Tennessee football job, even though everyone knows he had his hand. It was the Adam Smith, the invisible hand over the yeah. whole Tennessee program the entire time. And now he's coming back on the Browns and he's like, you know, we'll see what happens here. You know, I'm just staying out of things. He's involved in all of it. Yeah. You see, this is where I asked Michael this morning, what is the difference between everyone says, oh, the Browns missed out on Wentz. They missed out on Watson. Had they just taken one of these quarterbacks, would it have even made a difference? Is it on the organization? How many more wins would they have had? Oh, they would have saved careers. Peyton Manning has made careers and saved careers. And those guys would have saved careers. A deodorant quarterback. A deodorant quarterback. That's Absolutely. what we call it. The old spice of QBs. All right. Well, this has been Saturday Sit Down. This has been GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. That is Mike Lombardi. That is Joel Solomon. I am Tate Frazier, and we will be back Sunday night. 